Well, good to be together again, everybody. Um, today, we're going to talk about companion cropping with cash grain wheat. And you may have wondered, you know, really exactly what am I going to be talking about? And uh, how does this work? And you know, maybe there's a lot of questions. And I got to admit, I still have some questions too, but it's something that I've been dabbling with for the last, I guess it's six years now. And uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit of my story uh, in, in throughout this uh, presentation. But I really want, you know, you guys to ask some questions too. And maybe if you even have some experience, that would be awesome to hear. So uh, basically, we're going to talk about some of the species selection and, and, and uh, also the winter kill or slash herbicide considerations in this topic. And I'm going to touch just a real briefly at the end about what about taking wheat to harvest with another cash crop? Uh, now, that is like really taking it up to a new level. Uh, but just for clarity here, what the topic is, I kind of broke this into two sections. First of all is uh, the, the, the concept of planting another, we'll call it cover crop, with our cash grain wheat. So companion cropping, uh, there's different ways of describing this concept, but uh, I'll go into it, and that may be the best way for, for me to explain it as I go through. And then the other component, which I think is somewhat related, is actually a strategy of mixing wheat varieties and planting mixed varieties also uh, is, is part of this uh, dynamic. And it's something that I'm going to be doing. It's something that I've researched as well. So it's kind of two different topics, uh, mixed varieties and also mixed species, all doing it together. And it's all based on this synergy that we've experienced called diversity and diversity of species. And, you know, plants don't know if they're a cover crop or if they're a cash crop or what they are. They don't know that. We just have defined what we want to grow to do what we want to do. So just taking a step back and looking at this whole uh, topic, I thought I would open up here with a little bit of history. Not going to spend much time on that, but I think it's good to know how this kind of came to be. So going back to um, thinking around 2011, some of you may have heard of Ed Winkle. He was a farmer from Ohio. He has since passed away, but he inadvertently mixed some radishes with his wheat and he called me up and uh, his story was that it was a hired hand mistake and I'll just leave it at that but nonetheless he said I got radishes growing up in my wheat what should I do Steve and I said well they'll probably winter kill it's in Ohio and they get cold enough there the winter kill I don't think it'll be a problem with that okay fine next summer I got a call from him he says Steve you won't believe it I'm getting 12 bushels more wheat where them radishes were mixed in. He said, why did that happen? And I said, I have no idea. Now, you got to think back. This is like seven years ago. And when I think back seven years ago, how much I've learned in the, in, you know, since that, I realize now that I can explain this a whole lot better based on what we collectively have learned in the cover crop business and the soil health business and this whole concept that we're looking at and all the synergies and so forth. So that is my, uh, I guess you'd say, introduction. And, 
you know, right away, it's like, well, we got to try this again to see if we can pull this off, to see if we can do this again. So over a period of a couple years, I'm just putting up here some yield data, and this is when I was with the tillage radish. Uh, so uh, just to give you that perspective. I heard of reports up to 18 bushel yield increase. I would say don't ever count on that. Uh, look at the bottom. I've heard some guys that did some testing, and they got a yield hit. Um, so, and some no yield difference at all. Some just very small. But the the ones in red there, the 12 bushel and the five bushel, those increases were actually replicated field scale. And I think those probably have the most meaning in this. Now, just a few more I want to show here. Uh, over, to, over time, these are just some more uh, reports that I've heard. Um, the one there from Oklahoma on the top was a very dry year. The yields were poor, but they really showed a good uh, yield increase. So this kind of got me thinking that we may have something here. And uh, I even know of some uh, seed companies that sold wheat were actually pre-mixing radishes with their wheat just as a, as a way or a strategy to be able to help advance yields and so forth. And they were also selling cover crops. So it was a kind of a good, uh, you know, good companion, I guess, if you will, sales tactic there. Now, I'll just distill it all down to this. In my experience uh, over the past uh, years, I am saying you can expect an average of three to five bushel yield increase. So if you run the numbers, the cost of radish seed now is most everywhere lower than lower than $2 a pound. And I'll give you the, the seeding rates, but let's just say three pounds per acre, three times two is $6. So for one bushel of wheat, a good price, and the price is better now, you can maybe pay for this. So if you're just looking at economics, that eh, makes sense. You might want to look into it. Does it pay for the bother and so forth? I would say that it probably does. So it's been something that I have, I will say, not have done every year, but I'm kind of taking a look at this again. And so... Um, we're going to expand this from the radishes, but I want to start with that because that's where it all started for me. So why does this work? Um, I don't have any scientific data to show you why it works. I just have some theories here, and that's good enough for me because it works, and I'll just leave it at that. But the leading theories are radishes are very good at sulfur uptake. And wheat likes sulfur. So there's probably some synergies going on there. The other thing is that radishes are very good and actually are better than wheat. And that I can show you with data from a lot of work that Dr. Ray Weil has done, that radishes can take up nitrogen quicker and more than any other small grain planted in the fall. So that, I think, is a key here. I think there's a nitrate or a nitrogen factor involved here. And then where radishes will winter kill, or if you're further south, you'll have to spray them out. They'll release that right back into the soil very quickly at dormancy break, when the, rye or the wheat comes out of dormancy. So I think those are the two leading factors as to why we get this slight effect. 
And even though the radishes are essentially planted past their prime planting window, because generally we're planting wheat right past the window of normal radishes being planted, they seem to have an effect, even though the tubers don't even get the size of a pencil. So uh, there's something going on. And I think it just behooves us to take advantage of some of these uh, synergies. So three pounds per acre seems to be the common rate, seeding rate, four pounds per acre. You're going to start to suffer loss of uh, wheat because radishes are more aggressive than wheat in the fall. They're big leaves, and you could lose some of your seedlings uh, from competitiveness. So I think if I would really put a range, I'd put two to three, no more than three. Uh, so that's the benchmark of, of where you want to start. Now, I said I'm going to kind of get looking at two different categories. I'm going to pick up those multiple species of cover crops, and we're going to talk about others later on. But now I want to circle around to mixed varieties of wheat. So here's the mixed varieties theory. Uh, so I'll just start talking about that first and then tell you some research that I was involved with in this. So the idea is here is that, as we all know, every variety has their pros and their cons, and we try to pick the best variety to function in our fields. So some varieties are indeed more resistant to disease and or insects than others. Some, of course, yield better than others, but sometimes the high yielding ones are more resistant to whatever. So this is spreading out our risk because we don't know what the weather is going to bring. And if we're able to do this, to put multiple cultivars, multiple varieties in our wheat, we're hedging our bets. Um, the other thing, too, is we're trying to limit the, the susceptible plants to disease or to insects. So if that particular year, you know, there's an insect, more pressure than some other years, it won't take out your whole stand or it won't affect your whole stand. And there's a theory out there, too, that if insects only like one quarter of the plants, they simply won't multiply as much. So um, regardless of how this all works in theory, there seems to be, again, a little bit of evidence that would suggest that this may be something that would work. As far as a yield increase, uh, I'm going to show you the next slide, what the yield increase has been for some research. But I would say I wouldn't necessarily plant this as a guaranteed yield increase because it hasn't increased every time, just like radishes planted with wheat hasn't increased every time, but it's subtly increased on average. So I was involved with the project years ago uh, with Dr. John Tooker uh, from Penn State University. And he basically found that in the mid-Atlantic region where I'm from, we're looking at about a 6% yield increase by mixing wheat varieties. And there's a caveat there. Uh, some types appear more suitable than others. So you kind of have to sift it through. It's kind of like that same thing of short season genetics for corn or soybeans. Not every short season will work in the theory of trying to plant some good genetics that are short season. You kind of have to 
sift through them. So um, I'll just kind of, I guess, leave that at that for there. And this is kind of the premise here. So in 2012, Tucker did some research here on my farm where we had uh, randomized replicated plots. This was all scientifically done. And uh, we planted the varieties as individuals and harvested them as individuals. And then we planted the mix. I believe it was four different uh, species. So I got a six bushel yield increase. And uh, that was interesting. I guess I thought that, well, that seems worth it to do that, to mix the varieties. Um, and I also heard this concept was being used in Europe as well. So it wasn't just us that were trying it. But I also say now currently my recent success of using the three-way uh, companion cropping of oilseed rape, hairy vetch, and Austrian winter peas has worked well on my farm. So trying to understand that dynamic uh, and, and by the way, that, that's as a cash crop there, even though all those are cover crops I just listed. Uh, for me, it's a cash crop because I'm selling the cover crop seed. Okay, so I'm experiencing this already in other species. I want to now go back. I'm kind of like revisiting the whole uh, theory with wheat. So how do you set up your wheat variety selection? And you do have to pay attention to that. The biggest thing is a similar maturity. You can't have a short season and a long season wheat because harvesting would be impossible to get it right. So you want to have similar maturity of the varieties you use, but you want to have diverse disease resistance. Uh, that's just makes a lot of sense there because you're probably going to have some varieties that are pretty good yielders but don't have the disease resistance. So this is an opportunity to give them a chance, to give them a shot at it. The other thing is looking at stalk strength variation. You know, some varieties have a stronger stalk and resist lodging. Others are a little weaker and maybe higher yielding. So this can actually help them stand up. So there's some very, very plausible things here in doing this, but you do have to pay a little attention until which varieties that you want to group together. And it basically comes down to harvesting. And, you know, the question is, well, what about combine settings? Because some wheat varieties are harder to thrash than others and may need a little more aggressive settings. Uh, so far, and I'll just say there hasn't been a lot of this done, but I haven't heard any issue that this was a problem that caused people to abandon the concept. Um, so, I think I'm going to pause for now with a few questions on the mixed varieties of wheat. Then I want to kind of on the back side of my webinar today, talk about species selection to plant with the wheat. So I'm going to uh, open up the microphone for microphones for everybody. And any comments or questions, have any of you been doing any of this so far where you're mixing species and or that you use radishes with wheat? And we'll talk a little bit more about other cover crops mixed with the wheat coming up. So I don't want to talk about that yet. But anyone have a comment or question regarding mixed species of wheat, planting that together as a strategy? Steve, I was at uh, a field day at your place. Yeah. When, uh, we looked over this concept where you right. planted a variety of uh, uh, mm -hmm. wheat. Uh, yes. And I 
really did know what the results had been. Yeah. It's very interesting to see that. Yep. Also, I myself, 10 years ago, planted three different varieties. We were, it's the last field we planted, we had three different varieties, and uh, we threw it in the drill. And to this date, that is the best yielding wheat I have ever had. Now, okay. For what reason? I can't tell you. Understood. Understood. Uh, That's yep. I, one variety was tribute, which is a great, great uh, variety resistant to disease. Mm -hmm. And then I had a Southern States variety and another one that I don't remember now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But maybe having a high yielding Southern States with that disease mm -hmm. resistance mm -hmm. tribute, maybe that's mm -hmm. uh, the reason. Yeah. Now, from a scientific standpoint, you know, unless you do a comparison, you don't know. But at least that shows um, evidence that it's worthwhile checking again. And, uh, and and again, you know, for me, I've, I've gone a couple years here without doing it. But I've, I'm ready to jump back into this again because I'm, I'm seeing the consistency of what diversity brings in so many other areas of agriculture. So um, others uh, here have any comments or, or questions on, on what we've discussed so far? I see Jim Johnson's on. Jim uh, from Oklahoma. I don't know if you can turn your mic on or not. Good to have you on with us today. I was wondering if you have done any of this. Have you heard of this? Because you're in wheat country. Uh, what? You have any comments uh, on any of this so far? Uh, can you hear me? I can. Go ahead. Loud and clear. We're thinking about it and trying it. We've been doing it more in forage, so it'd be hard wow. for me to say what kind of yield increase we're getting because we're grazing everything instead of going to drain. Right. What so, we typically have seen in forage with mixing either wheat, blends of wheat or blends of small grains is we end up with about the average of what all of those would do individually. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I've done this with corn as well. I'll just throw this in here. I planted I think it was four different varieties of corn. I planted them as individually, and then I planted them as a mix and harvested them as a mix and put them in each row of, a, of the planter. And I actually got the average of the plot average. And, you know, there again, that's all about hedging your bets because if you pick the right hybrid every year, you're going to win all the time. But if you pick the worst hybrid every year, you're going to lose every time. So, you know, I think the same thing applies to corn, uh, a lot of the same things, but uh, I think going with wheat here is certainly, it doesn't cost a lot to do. That's the thing about it. It's just a little extra time, a little extra bother to put it in and, and maybe a little time to figure things out. Um, but anyway, other, other people have comments or questions on the mixed varieties of wheat. Has anybody else ever done this before? Dan, are you going to say something? No. I, okay, that's fine. Never, never, I, th this Dan Towery is speechless. Dan is speechless. That's a rare totally time. New, this is a totally new concept for me. <laughs> Just haven't what done do this. If we get somebody to plant wheat, that's... Yeah. <laughs> Hooray. <laughs> right. You just want them to plant wheat. Yeah, gotcha. Well, maybe this will this will inspire somebody. Maybe this is what it will take, Dan. I don't know. Anyway, uh, good. I see uh, Ryan's on. Um, Ryan, do you um, have any comments? 
Sounds like, no, I'm not sure who's who here, but anyway, okay, I'm going to move on and uh, we'll get, we'll dig a little, dig a little deeper here uh, on, on the topic at hand. And that has to do with um, more with the specific species that we're looking at here. So, so now I'm talking about going beyond the mixed varieties of wheat. What can we add to wheat, our cash crop here, that could potentially enhance it in one way or another or reduce our input needs? And I think that's really the big angle I'm coming up from here. How can reduce impact or input needs based on the virtues of diversity and what diversity can give to us as a farmer uh, to help our bottom line. And that's that. this is where I really feel we're getting at when people ask the question, do cover crops pay? That is such a huge question and still the number one question people ask. And I think this is a component of it here where we can actually reduce our input costs and then in turn, because we have a healthier soil and because we're managing in a different way. So basically, since wheat needs nitrogen, we want to focus on a legume, a legume that can be planted with wheat that won't compete very much with it at the beginning stages of its growth or in the fall, which uh, for most of us, um, and I do know that we have some spring wheat producers on this call. I wasn't going to focus too much on spring wheat, but um, might be another topic for another day. So I'm thinking mainly for uh, fall planted wheat that we would focus on legumes, not totally, which I'm going to talk about a little later, but focus on legumes because they're going to complement our wheat, particularly with giving us some nitrogen. And we most more than likely want something that winter kills. Now, obviously, the further south you get, you may not have consistent winter kill in some of these, but I will say that we do have the backup for herbicides and from my previous uh, talk a little bit on um, the uh, tillage rat or the radish, that you can take out radish. Uh, so we, we want to make sure that we're not planting anything with the wheat that's going to hinder our cash crop uh, goals that we have in the future. So herbicide kill, I just have put up there. I haven't had a lot of experience of of that, of intentionally planting something that I'm going to intentionally kill with a herbicide. So that's why I put it on tested there. Having said that, I do know farmers who have planted radishes and then they've taken them out with like Harmony, Harmony Extra uh, in their wheat with a spring, with their normal spring wheat control. Um, so legumes are definitely preferred. I put brassica in here and that's primarily radishes in this case, something that will winter kill. Uh, any other radishes that are more winter hardy, you're going to have to figure out how to terminate them. And then I have some other ones here listed. And all of these, their common theme is that they won't kill with the first frost, but they'll kill when the temperature gets in the mid-teens or minus 7 Celsius over the winter for a couple nights, kind of like the radishes do. So Phasalia, very, very good soil builder, not not very competitive to the wheat, but it's just good for the soil. It'll grow a couple inches in the fall. You don't want, you just, you know, half a pound of Vesalia. Uh, flax is the new one I'm going to try. It ain't going to grow that long, 
Uh, there's different varieties of flax that have different winter hardiness. Um, spring lentils would be some, some of you guys have very easily access to that kind of a seed that will grow into the late fall. Common vetch. Common vetch is generally not very winter hardy. So that would be one that you might want to, uh, to consider. Now I'm going to add some more when I show you my concoction at the end. Uh, but um, one of the things to support this, and again, I'm going to refer to John Tucker in uh, how this all works. Adjacent plants of different species do not seem to compete directly. Their particular root system and the soil uh, resources to use, use them efficiently. And this is kind of the premise of how this all works. And it's kind of goes back to even interceding cover crops into corn. We haven't seen yield reductions when we do that practice. And so, you know, you might ask the question, well, am I robbing nutrients? Am I robbing moisture from uh, my wheat crop, my cast grain crop? Well, I'll have to say maybe, but, I, but it's doubtful. We haven't experienced that. Uh, we've experienced that quite the opposite. Usually there's a synergistic effect. And um, so as I alluded to before, we want to try to save our inputs. So how do I fertilize? How do I fertilize my wheat? And I'll just tell you that I think there's opportunity here, but you're going to have to do your own checks. There are so many variables out there with every individual field, every different farming system. How long has your system been in a soil health regime? Makes a huge difference. And I would say the longer you're into some soil health uh, uh, program, the more efficient it's going to get. This is going to work even better. Um, so the legumes are going to supply some in. How much? I don't know. Uh, that could depend on the fall. It could depend when they're taken out. If you have an early freeze or, or hard cold snap that takes out these plants sooner than expected, probably won't get the yield benefits. Uh, on the contrary, if you have a nice, nice, you know, fall with a lot of growing three days, you may get more yield benefits, uh, more nitrogen benefits. Uh, and then, as I alluded to before, radishes we know somehow have something to do with sulfur and providing to the wheat, and then some nitrogen at the spring when they break down and return what they took up in the fall. So these are some of the things uh, of why this works. Now, I want to show you what my plan is. And this is after uh, uh, a couple years of messing around with this and kind of abandoned it for a couple years, but now I'm back into it with both feet. I'm planning on getting four varieties of wheat, similar maturity wheat. I'm going to put two pounds of radishes in. 15 pounds of fava bean, and I got some uh, small seeded favas from uh, from Derek Axton, who's, uh, I don't see him on the call today, but he's in our group. Uh, small seeded fava beans is preferred because there's more seeds per pound and they're easier to run through the drill. Uh, 10 pounds of spring peas, 10 pounds of chickling vetch, and then just a half a pound of flax. So is that the right recipe? Don't know. It's my best guess right now. I've been playing with these numbers like all morning here as I was preparing for this and I've been thinking about it. I have a scratch pad here and I because I ordered the seed. I got all the stuff here. It's all here ready to go. We'll be planting uh, uh, our wheat in about three weeks. So um, so that's where I'm at. Uh, I, I think I have a bag of Fasalia up there. 
in the shed, I might throw a little bit of that in. And uh, and then we'll go to town, we'll plant it, and we'll see what happens. And I'll be posting pictures and, and talking about it. But uh, that's my plan for this year. Uh, one other final comment before I open it up again for questions is there have been some I've heard who have actually taken wheat to harvest, cash grain wheat, with a companion crop. I heard of someone planting peas uh, with wheat, and they took it to harvest, and then they said they separated them. The thing I can't figure out is how do you combine peas and, and are able to thrash the wheat properly? I just don't see how a bigger pea that you can set the concave close enough to get a good, uh, you know, a good thrashing on, on getting the wheat out. So I, I asked the question, this was on, on Twitter, and they said they didn't have any problems. So I, that one is a big question mark to me. So I'll just say that uh, I don't have any solid uh, recommendations on if you want to do this, or if you have your own feed, your own grain, maybe you can put up with a more, more, I'll just say trash in the sample or, or other, other crops, other species. I think if you're doing your own grain, man, you got a lot of options open, but you can't be taking, you know, wheat to the elevator that's full of unthrashed heads and, and other crop in it. So I get that. You can't do that. Um, so there may be some options out there for those of you who would have um, that kind of thing. So I'm going to back up here to, to my, uh, my recipe for this year. I'm going to open up the microphones again. Um, just would like to know what questions might you have? What suggestions might you have or anything you guys have tried? So who's going to be first? Anybody? Comments? So this is Jim, and I'll just throw out there this year what we're going to try is crimson clover with our wheat yep. with the intention of it not winter killing and us not spraying it out, but it'll be low enough that we can harvest the wheat over the top of it and then let it just go ahead and senesce. So people have done red clover, like uh, frost seeding in the spring, with great success, although it's been challenged with these higher yields. Um, do you... Uh, you don't think the crimson clover will grow up with the wheat that it could present a harvesting challenge? It tends to stay really short for us. Okay. So you're in Oklahoma, probably a little less uh, moisture. Um, so, yeah, it'll be great to hear how that works out. We'll let you know. Yeah. No, I'd love to hear those kind of uh, attempts at, at seeing what you can do because you're going to get a little nitrogen out of that uh, probably, and then you have a cover crop ready to go as soon as you harvest. Awesome. Uh, other comments, questions? Just wondering, Cliff from uh, Illinois, what do you think about this? Are you still on? Yeah, I haven't done anything with it, so I'm just trying to learn. That's some customer okay. asking for feed, feed use, uh, growing something with wheat for their chickens and hogs. They're not, okay. you know, so they're right. looking for some answers, too. Okay, well, I hope at least it will stimulate some discussion, I hope. Yep. Yeah. Cody, what about you? What What's your thoughts on something like this? Do you think it could work in Minnesota? Still with us, Cody? Any other questions? Comments? I see Justin's on. I'm not sure, Justin, where you're from. you have any comments or questions? Okay. Yep. Anybody else? Go ahead. I just logged in here, so I'm not really oh, up to speed on what okay, you guys are talking about. So you, so you missed it all. Well, uh, okay. Well, I guess I'll ask you, 
have you ever done any uh, companion cropping with wheat? Planting any other, like a cover crop with it, like radishes or anything else, and then just harvested the wheat. Have you ever done anything like that? Um, not so much with wheat, but other crops I have. Okay. Uh, barley, I did the companion crop with that. Okay. I, I combined the barley and I had um, mm -hmm. all rice, sunflowers, okay. sweet clover, alfalfa, and white clover okay. planted with that. Okay. So, you, so you're messing around with some of this stuff. A little bit, yeah. That sounds good. That sounds good. Okay. Anything else? Um, any other comments or questions? Well, thanks so much, everybody. I'll just quickly say that next week I am going to be uh, sharing about uh, five things you need to know to get the ideal cover crop seeding rate. And that may seem like a pretty uninteresting topic, but um, there's, there's a couple things that can really help you. And, and a lot of these things I have covered uh, from time to time in different, uh, different presentations, but I just thought, you know, we're getting into the thick of cover crop season here, uh, and it'd be just good to review some of the things, uh, you know, it has to do with looking at a seed tag, getting the drill set right, getting calibrations. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. And a bunch of things just that I feel is important to really fine-tune your seeding management. And uh, and I think sometimes that gets a little bit of, of forgotten. So, um, yeah, and I'll just, I guess, ask one more time if there's any other questions about any cover crop question at all that has been churning in your mind or anything you might have heard about um, in the last uh, week or so. Lloyd? Yeah, this, yeah, this is Lloyd. I was just thinking... Uh, uh, the mixing the stuff together, even for a forage, uh, would probably make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. really. Oh, I, I think that's already been established. No brainer there. Uh, Jim had mentioned that that's what they're doing in Oklahoma. I'm doing it some here. I think the thing about it was so impacting for me this year. Now we did have a lot of rain, granted, but my my 13 way mix I planted after wheat. Actually, you were you were here. You were at my farm, Lloyd. You saw that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was just it was just amazing how that turned out with with no fertilizer. I just cleaned up a few areas of uh, with herbicide. Just there was a grass here and there. I wanted to make sure everything grew right. But I just love being able to produce a crop. Uh, and I took a cutting off that, and and we wet baled it. And now it's a foot and a half tall again. I'm going to leave that grow. But um, but yeah, these these there's really something in these mixes and. That's been established. Now we're moving into how can we grow our cash crops. That's what that's what's exciting to me uh, right now in this whole thing. Any other question about anything? Hey, Steve, this is Jim again. Yeah, Jim. <clears throat> that mix you're going to plant this fall. Yep. <clears throat> what is that following? <clears throat> what do you have there this oh, summer? Oh, okay. Here's uh, this is going to be a different than most everybody else out there, except for a few, maybe John. <laughs> Strider from Ohio, but uh, almost all my small grains go after pumpkins or squash. Okay. Uh, so I know that's different than most, but that's the way my my general rotation seems to work. So it'll be after pumpkins or squash, and we're working on getting them out of the field right now. So, so we were gonna do some more, but uh, we did a bioassay, and it was it's wheat following corn, and the Callisto killed us. Ooh. 
Yeah, especially because you didn't have much rain to dilute that. Right. Probably was a factor, right? Yeah, yeah not enough. Yep. Well, that's just a, a, a practical question that needs to be addressed. So, so Steve. Yes, Dan. Oh, got back. I, I For some reason, I couldn't take myself off of mute. Uh, oh, I hear you now. I, I think the computer was telling me something. Uh, it might have. It might have been. <laughs> <laughs> A question with your radishes and wheat. Um, and basically, it's it's you know you got the dates, but then you've got the actual weather conditions. Mm -hmm. um, I know it would be difficult, but any follow up to see. I'm just trying to figure out this. Why you got a yield bump? But is there a uh, a certain growth that the radish needs to get. I mean, I mean I'm just envisioning he's planted in October that, yeah. you know, so, so small. Yeah. And is, 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 what's yep. your thoughts on that? Is that, is that well, one of the variables that's... I, th I think there's there's several variables that are still unknown because nobody has really taken this and embraced it and did a multi-year full-blown <laughs> study on it. Um but yeah, the radishes are way smaller than we typically think of them even doing anything. But I, I do know this, that based on uh, lots of data, many years of data that Dr. Weil did in, in the Mid-Atlantic region on multiple farms, was those radishes did in, indeed make an impact even if they only grew a couple weeks or only got as big as a pencil with their tuber. I'll just use that as a as a guide. Um so I think there's something significant in, in that. I think the fact, too, that a lot of these fields have never, ever, ever seen a brassica. And so I think just a, just what almost a salt-and-pepper type approach of just sprinkling a brassica in there somehow made a bigger effect than you would normally think from any other species. Now, that's pure theory. That's pure theory from me. I don't know. Uh, but the fact of it is, we saw results, but I've always thought, too, that the timing of a nitrogen application in the spring, if a fellow goes in there early and starts side dressing early, they may have erased some of those effects. Uh, and maybe that's why we got no yield response, because the, the nitrogen, uh, uh, early application of nitrogen may be erased or, or mask the effect. Um, so... I don't know. A lot of unanswered questions here. It's just intriguing enough to continue. I'm taking it up a notch now with kind of combining mixed varieties with mixed species and seeing what we can do. And uh, it's, it's uh, at least for me, it's, it's something that uh, I think it's plausible. I think we need to learn how to manage it a little bit better. And uh, I think there's something there. It, it raises the question, though, if, if the ranches are that small, is it perhaps the root exudates is huh. is the, yeah. the key component? Not much, how much? Because obviously it, it didn't take up much nitrogen or sulfur. Right. That's right. Yeah. No, that's that. I think that's. I think when you said root exudates, that's what I was referring to. Yeah. Kind of in, it was wrapped up in the in the in the the, the brassica effect, we call, or the new the new species or whatever you want to call it. I mean, it there's just it it, it kind of makes sense theoretically. That this could work, but and it has worked based on the the majority of the of the testing done has been positive. Uh, so there's something there, 
Um, so I guess that's kind of what we're jumping off of. How can we manage this to make it more, I guess you'd say, consistent? And how can we manage it to, to maybe even use less nitrogen at some point? That's the direction I'm headed uh, with wheat. Um, can I grow some of these legumes with the wheat and somehow grow it? I mean, I'm really looking at profit per acre. I mean, if I, if I sacrifice a couple bushels of yield, but, you know, I drop my nitrogen by 40, 50 percent, well, I think I'm going to be further ahead. And uh, that's, a, that's where I'm looking at. So that mix that you're you're going to do this fall, uh, yeah. What's what's this approximate seed cost for that? I don't know. I I right now I'm not worried about that. I know it's going to be not extravagant with the lower rates, but uh, I'm going to see if it works. Then I'll then I'll fine tune the seed cost. And uh, I'm, yeah, I'm actually. I, I was just again trying to some idea no. of the how many. No bushels that yep. that, that'll take yeah or or reduced inputs yeah you're right no very good question hey steve right now yeah go ahead uh, are you going to do a control strip to evaluate the difference well i should i gotta uh, <laughs> uh i appreciate you bringing that up lloyd um and as i've thought about that to do it right i would have to do uh, you know, replications of each wheat variety by itself. Uh, now, I could keep it simple and just do my mixed varieties and then just add my mixed covers. So um, I haven't determined which of my pumpkin fields, actually we were going to do that last night but didn't get it done, are going to go into wheat. So not making excuses here, but certain fields accommodate research better than others. And right, so I understand. I'm not going to commit... But yeah, but that, I I understand that that would that that's more meaningful uh, by a long shot if I can see the difference and uh, I know how to set it up. Um, haven't got that far, so I guess I'm answering the question is I don't know for sure yet. Okay, other I'll give you one more chance. Any other questions here about anything? Any cover crop question at all? Well, hey, thanks so much for joining today, and thanks for your great questions at always, as always. And um, I think for the most of us, we hope that things dry out in the next week. Uh, hope the weather is favorable for your area, and we'll look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks a lot. Thank you.